Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we wrap up our series, Thriving in a Time of Crisis. In episode 9, let's join Pastor John Parlow as we learn how to just say no. So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these timeless truths. Well, welcome. As we finish up a series that we started some weeks ago called Thriving in a Time of Crisis, as we took a look at God's Word and said, okay, how can we be light and salt? How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus in a culture that often doesn't know who Jesus really is, or if they do, don't want anything to do with the biblical Jesus? And I'm so glad that you were with us for a lot of that, maybe all of it, and certainly here today. So let's get started. In this series, we've talked a lot about knowing the times in which you live so that we can better understand how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who right now are far from Jesus and have no memory of the gospel. We've taken a look at several facets of your life and our culture, everything from the enemy within to God's design for marriage and the family to different world views. There's been a lot of great information in this series. But for information to be truly great, it needs to be applicable. You need to know how to use it on Monday and Tuesday and thereafter. And so likely Jesus would end it something like this. He'd say, okay, you had all that information. Here's your next steps. I want you to be the salt of the earth. Now, that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Be salt. But let me give you a little background. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking to people who are following him. And he says to them, you are the salt of the earth. In Jesus' day, salt was one of the most useful and coveted and important and expensive items you could possess, not because it would add flavor to food. That wasn't its primary use in Jesus' day. Its primary use was that of a preservative. Back in Jesus' day in the Middle East, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers and packaging and canning, and so their food sometimes would spoil. That was a danger. If you had a piece of meat that you weren't going to eat today, you would take salt and you'd rub the salt into the meat, and that would preserve it to be consumed down the road. Jesus is telling us that he wants his followers to serve as a preservative in a corrupt, wicked world. In fact, God continues to preserve our world right now on our account. That's always been his practice. For example, in, back in Genesis chapter 19, remember God said he would have spared the city of Sodom if he could have just found 10, 10 righteous people. And God continues to preserve this world so that we can serve as his people and do what he's called us to do. And namely, our chief calling responsibility is to save souls who are destined to eternal destruction in hell by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And if you're a Jesus follower, listen to me, you know what that is. You know the fact that you, me too, but you are so sinful, not half good, but you're so sinful that Jesus, the Son of God, had to die for you. And yet you are so precious to him that Jesus, the Son of God, gladly died for you. 
And then he physically rose from the dead so that you and I don't worry about our chief enemies, sin, death, Satan, and the grave, all been conquered, all been conquered, which means as Jesus followers, when we die, it only gets better for us. No one else on this planet can say that, only Jesus followers. When we die, life gets a lot better. And so we go out with that knowledge and that influence, but that influence is conditional in this world. You see, for salt to be effective, it needs to retain its saltiness. Jesus says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. The influence of Christians in and on this society is dependent upon us making sure we're distinct, not identical to the society. We walk this really important line of being in the world and yet not of the world. You are not to be of the world, you are to be salty. You are to be in the world, you are to be applied to it, you are to work and be involved with it. Did you notice Jesus chooses his words carefully? He doesn't say, he doesn't say, you know, I want you to be salt in this earth. No, he says, you are the salt of this earth. But if a person loses their saltiness, they really can't be a Christian. Because then that person is not really useful for anything according to Jesus in the idea of kingdom, kingdom work. That's why he said this again. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. If a Christian is not living his or her faith or has jettisoned the faith, lost it, that person is useless for God's kingdom work. They're like salt that loses its saltiness. Now, in our day, that can happen because we got chemicals, which we probably shouldn't eat anyways, right? Um, but in Jesus' day, it could happen because they had impure salt. And sometimes the salt would lose its saltiness and it'd be useless. And so what they do is they wouldn't throw it into the fields because it would destroy the vegetation. And they didn't know how to make it salty again or edible again. They didn't have that, that process. So they would take it and it was worthless. And they'd throw it on the highways and byways, the paths and the roads, because nothing grew there anyways, and people literally would trample it underfoot. It was, nothing grew there anyways. And it, it, it kind of reminds us that we need to shed some light on a truth that this text does certainly bring up. If you and I are going to be thriving in a time of crisis, then we need to make sure we're taking a look and seeing if we have any blind spots in our life, in our faith life. We have to make sure we take account of maybe our spiritual delusion. Um, l- let, me, let me tell you something that I don't think most pastors will ever tell you face to face. There are many people who sit in buildings like this on a regular basis, maybe even some listening today. And they are incredibly self-deluded spiritually. They think they're Christians, but they're not. What they have is cultural Christianity. Oh, they're pretty good with their morals, at least 
based on their own personal truth and what they like about the Bible and don't like about the Bible. They say they believe in God and uh, they, they play fair in their fantasy football league. But deep down, they do not believe that they, like all people, are born natural-born sinners who are destined to spend eternity in hell and in desperate need of Jesus' forgiveness and salvation. No, the best they would believe is that they are mistakers who are in need of understanding or maybe even some counseling, but certainly not a savior. Jesus, Jesus may mean a lot to them, but he isn't Lord. He's not the one in control of their lives. He's not in charge. And St. Mark, oh, they, you, may really like what St. Mark has to offer, but whenever we started talking about biblical truth and not your truth, whenever we talk about authentic biblical Christianity, you get nervous or they get uncomfortable. I am challenging and encouraging all of us to re-examine today our walk with Jesus, who we are, whose we are, and how that impacts every area of our life. The Apostle Paul encouraged us to do that very thing when he said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. A life of self-delusion is going to lead you into eternity of self-loathing frustration. That's how the Bible describes hell, one of the ways. They call it the weeping and gnashing of teeth. I am really glad you're here. Really glad. Maybe today, for some of you, some of us, God's going to use this day for us for the first time to honestly re-examine who we are in Jesus. And by his power and because of his love, he redirects us. So, be salt. But we need to kind of narrow this application of be salt because we can go in so many different areas in all of our lives, and that's true. So let's talk about how Jesus wants us to personally penetrate uh, people's lives as well as our culture for him in our vocation, in our jobs, what, no matter what you do for a living. Now the word vocation is a fancy Latin word that means the calling or the invitation. When Jesus has called you to faith, that means that is so devastating in a good sense and so decisive in your life and so important that that means everything you have in the garage, everything you are, everything you do is ultimately an act of worship to the God who graciously called you to be his child, a son or daughter of the king through faith. That means no matter what you do for a living, your vocation, your job, okay, your job. That's not, that, that only cannot, that, that only can't be, but really should be a sacred calling. Now that's foreign to us in the Western culture. That's foreign to us in America. Because what we often do is we compartmentalize things in our lives, don't we? We do it all the time. This is your family life. This is your social life. This is your work life. This is your school life. This is your faith life. But when Jesus calls you, he doesn't call you to something. He calls you to someone. So, 
The real estate agent uh, serves her clients to the best of her God-given ability as she's doing an act of worship to the king, her Lord and Savior, Jesus. The, The software engineer infuses the worship of the Almighty into all he does every day. Um, the, the middle school teacher just doesn't teach children in her classroom. She serves those children that Jesus made sure were in her classroom in his name, however possibly she can do that. Do you see how much of a revelation that is, how foreign that is to our thinking? What would happen? What would happen if tomorrow you actually went into work and you worked as if you realized that Jesus was ultimately signing your paycheck, that it was Jesus to whom you reported, that it was Jesus who owned the company. How would things change? Because it's true that Jesus is your boss in your vocation, whatever that is, that really does change things. Let's just talk about three of them. We could talk about a lot of them, but you won't stay here that long, right? Let's talk about three of them, okay? First one is this. Your vocation has eternal implications. Your life does. Even if it appears to you, it has no eternal value. Sometimes I have people say, well, John, if I was a firefighter and I was running into burning buildings and I was rescuing people from fire, or if I was a surgeon and I was saving people after horrific accidents, or if I was a pastor and I was sharing God's word with people on a regular basis, then my life would have eternal implications. But John, every day I go to work and I make things that people use every day like toilet paper and paper toweling. Or I make, I make food that people can pick up for a quick lunch. Or I just put a bunch of data into a database and so I don't really have anything that has any divine or eternal implications. And you would be wrong. The Apostle Paul said this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If what the Apostle Paul says is true in this verse, and it is, That means no matter what you do for a job can make an eternal impact on you and others. That's because our gracious God promises to graciously acknowledge and reward your faithfulness to him in the workplace when he takes you to heaven someday. Now, what that's going to look like and all the details about that, we're not given. But the fact that he's going to do that, he talks about a lot like in this text. Second thing. How you perform at work is as important as where you work. You know, we we like to say, if I had that job over there, then my work would really have an impact. God doesn't play the, hey, the grass is greener on the other side of the hill game. God wants you to work for him where you're planted right now. And stop telling him how great of a worker you're going to be. If you got your dream job, you're always praying about Why not just work really hard where you are and let God determine if you're going to get a new position or a promotion? Third, how you behave at work is as important as how you perform at work. 
Are you actually getting the job done? Or are you just cutting corners? Or quietly quitting? Or you're just working when you know the boss is watching? Or you're just working enough to keep benefits, right? You wanted those benefits. Your Savior God wants you to do your work with all of your heart to his glory. And that means no matter what you do. Some years ago, I was at a conference and I heard a story about a guy who certainly understood uh, whatever you do, part of the passage, do it all to the glory of God with all of your heart. There was a group of guys who were pouring cement in the heat of summer at a new house build, kind of like what we have as the subdivisions right here, right? Right next to our church now. And if you've ever poured cement or laid cement during the heat of summer, that's an awful job. That's really hard to do. It's a lot of work. You're sweating a lot. It's just not very pleasant to be out there in that heat and do that work. And so they're a little grumpy, a little grumpy. And as they're pouring cement on this hot day, they hear this truck and this music blaring from a truck coming toward them down the road. And they look up and they see it's the porta potty guy. No, that's not his official title, but his job is to clean porta potties. And I don't think that's a job a lot of people go to school for. Like, one day I'm going to grow up and be a porta potty guy, but it's got to be done, right? right? And in fact, if you've ever been around a porta potty when it's been cleaned, it's probably one of the worst experiences you will ever have because you will remember it all of your life as I do, believe me. You'll remember it. So this porta potty guy, you know, he goes around, he goes to different uh, job sites and different venues to clean the porta potties. So he pulls up at their, their site and he gets out, takes his tools, and he walks right into the porta potty. And all of the guys are thinking, oh no. And the first thing that strikes them is he's spending a lot of time in that porta potty. I mean, how long does it take you to clean a, a two and a half foot by two and a half foot space? Seems like the guy is in there forever. And then all of a sudden, after some time, this nice aroma comes out emanating from the porta potty. It, it smells actually pretty pleasant. And finally, the guy comes out of the porta potty. And the foreman of the group is so impressed, he walks over to him and goes, Man, you have that place smelling so good, makes me want to go in right now. And the porta potty guy goes, Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. You know, the guys that serviced your porta potties before really didn't do a good job. But things are going to be different now. And the foreman says, Well, thanks. And the porta potty guy goes, Well, no problem. I'm just working for the Lord. And he picks up his tools, he goes back to his truck, turns his truck on, continues to blare his Christian contemporary music, and drives down to the next site where he's going to clean the porta potty. There is a dude who understood what Paul said. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Being the salt of the earth means that you realize that every inch of your entire life, Jesus says, mine. He is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. But I gotta tell you, life with Jesus 
is where the action is. It's where the party begins. It's where the adrenaline begins to flow. There's something about a life committed to Jesus that's not afraid of, has to survive, that takes the world by storm. There's something about salt being salty. There's something about a family being Christ-centered, a, a, a marriage having three people knowing that Jesus is that important third partner, a Christian who's bold enough to say, this is what I believe, a vocation that is on fire, a church that is the church. That's how we thrive in a time of crisis. Listen, all of you are gonna die. And you're gonna bring into eternity only two things your relationship with Jesus, and your life lived with people. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. Be sure to tune in next week for a special guest preacher, Pastor Jim Maddock. And remember, you matter and you are loved.